Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Rotoro Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined this Thursday, as always, by Mr. Denny Carter and Kyle Dvorak, but then not, as always, by a very, very special guest. Uh, a true man, the myth, the legend type, and Eric Froton. He's the college prop king. He's the college profile writer king. We're hoping uh, this spring, <laughs> Eric. Uh, really, really hoping on that one. Uh, and he is coming at us live from the, the NFL Scouting Combine in Indian, Indianapolis, Indiana, and he appears but he's in the nicest hotel Indianapolis has to offer. So, you know, super nice hotel in Indianapolis is probably, what, like $49 a night, right, Eric? Oh, come on. Wow. Come on. Come on. Well, they, they brag the- about being affordable. Come on. Uh, they, they brag about it, but, you know, come on. This year we're here in Indianapolis right in the downtown area, okay? Location is pristine. Not only are we downtown, but literally right next door, the fame. St. Elmo Steakhouse, where for decades, some of the most impactful deals in the NFL started yeah. in the basement of St. Elmo Steakhouse. Read this New York Times article that was written last year about it. Very famous. And I'm right next door. Can't wait to have a good solid steak dinner tonight. You're muffed, Denny. <laughs> Eric knows that I uh, I'm not a big fan of steak. What a surprise! And that uh, steak. I'm I'm sorry to say. Look, I I don't want it to be true. All steak is the same. I'm, sorry. Mm, I'm surprised Denny likes beer if he doesn't like steak. Uh, steak, one of your worst. Denny's worst fruit opinion is not liking cheese. Um, that is uh, yeah. Oh, that is his worst opinion. Nothing can even come close to not. Uh, well, I mean, come on. It's just. It's just. <laughs> to be fair, Pat, uh, I don't know if you from the Midwest can have a rational take on cheese. Because as a fellow Midwesterner, our takes on cheese, uh, I'll say they're correct, but they're. Uh, I mean, they're definitely correct. <laughs> Put it on everything. That's the correct cheese to eat. My beer. Of course, of course I. I toast a piece of cheese on top of my beer. Oh, <laughs> man. Delicious. <laughs> nice piece of provolone on top of my All Budweiser. Right. Got to throw up. You want it to smell good, too. Exactly. So I had to make a joke about Indianapolis because it's kind of a regional rival to St. Louis. It, you know, thinks it's a big town. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of funny, kind of cute. Uh, but uh, uh, Pat, you're engaging in what the kids would call a mid-off. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's really, really, really true. Uh, so, hey, come on, it says the guy from Mid Ohio. Come on, I don't live there anymore. I left for that exact reason. Yeah, so I know that's why I that's why I always tell people, listen, I'm from St. Louis, man. I can make fun of other towns. It's fine. Like, yeah, we, well, I get to be the judge then. But- because I live in San Diego, so you're all beneath me. You are my subjects for this. Yeah. Particular so I was going to say I had to make fun of Indianapolis tonight. I have to defend Indianapolis because Eric lays out such a long history and tradition of the combine being there. Everyone in the entire league loves it being there, and any talk of moving in from Indianapolis is like complete crazy talk, like totally unnecessary. 100%. It should never be done. I think it's Correct. in Indy for at least the next two years, though. Yeah, they signed a one-year extension to next year, but after that, it's anybody's game. They keep talking about LA. I yeah, cannot possibly, no. cannot possibly overstate what a catastrophe the combine would be in LA. I I live in San Diego. I could drive right up the highway. I I want the plane. You'll never hear me say this otherwise. <laughs> Give me the plane flight. Send me to Indy. No LA. I don't think I've ever seen football Twitter X uh, more in line than when it comes to where the combine should be, because when there was some, when there was a chance that it might not be in Indianapolis a couple of years ago, 
uh, the outcry was yeah. was amazing. I mean, I, I, I was I was it had, was overwhelming. If we had a third party candidate run on keep the combine in Indy, <laughs> would <laughs> smoke anyone? Because I, I cannot think of a sports based take that somehow unites like Twitter, the most like we hate each other platform possible. <laughs> I cannot think of a take more that unites everyone than keep the combine in Indy. So keep the combine in Indy. Keep Froton at the combine. He's there to give us. All the takes, all the news. going to have a lot of amazing content on rotorworld.com and on our social media feeds. Uh, but, Eric, we'll get into now, of course, the meat of the Combine. And the biggest player at the Combine, USC. You had to say meat again for Denny. <laughs> you had to say meat. The Come biggest on. player at the Combine, Caleb Williams, is, of course, not even working out at the Combine. Uh, he doesn't have a whole lot to lose. Uh, he has nothing to lose by not working out. He's a known commodity, a known entity. So that's my question. Is there anything even left to learn about Caleb Williams during this draft season? Or is it kind of a waste of time to even continue like devoting precious podcast resources to talking about <laughs> Caleb Williams? Uh, beyond asking him what color you know he's painting his nails this week, there really isn't a lot of insight you're gonna get uh, you know, as to Caleb Williams. He will be the number one pick. He is what he is. He's put three full years of tape out there for us to to parse after he summarily jettisoned Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma a mere three games into the 2021 season. So, uh, no, I mean, we've seen what we need to know of Caleb. Sure, people are going to nitpick his last season, which is, you know, this past year, which is understandable. They had no defense, and they had a, a just a, a snippet, maybe, of an offensive line. You just everyone. <laughs> They give you a little bit of protection, but for the most part, Caleb's just running for his life back there this day. And it seemed like to me, he got a little kind of bored with it and just kind of went into hero ball mode a little bit where you saw a lot more of the, the Manziel-esque running around and heaving. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you then, Eric, is any of that like kind of like, the reason he's running around for his life, is any of that like, partly his fault. It's like bailing too quickly, trying to go hero ball, like at the first sign of duress, or is it really just all about the supporting cast that was around him last year? Um, You know, I do think that he's a competitor and he wants to win and he didn't follow Lincoln Riley to the West coast, you know, and go over there just for the pretty girls in LA. Like he wants to go out and get some, get some victories and uh, I think he was getting ultra competitive and he was just like, screw this. I'm doing whatever it takes. And he did not have the kind of protection uh, last year. I think that he probably did you know, the previous two seasons. And uh, I think it showed because of that. But, you know, I mean, I, I guess I could hear a, you know, somebody saying, oh, maybe he's regressed a little bit. But uh, I, I sincerely, I don't believe that. And I think that he is still the number one quarterback and the most talented. And I do believe he is six feet tall and everybody wants <laughs> to know that too. Uh, Froton. So I, I thought actually when you said, I guess I could hear it. I was like, I, I was, I don't know about hoping, but interested if you were going to say, I guess I could hear an argument for Drake may how close is the gap between the two? Cause I think of the advanced numbers, a lot of it points to Drake may being very similar, but then I think on the film evaluation, you get people saying like may is a very good quarterback, not to take a, take that away from him. But there's a gap. Where do you fall on the – I think it's kind of clear that Caleb is the one, but where do you fall on the size of that gap? Yeah, I do think that May is is the number two, and that's something that you know is obviously very much up for contention right now. And I've talked to a couple people today 
who have, were in the Jaden Daniels QB2 camp. So, hey, you know, that's that's a fun debate as well. But I do feel that the QB1 debate is is settled science at this point, um, you know, respectfully. Wow, there's some, okay. there's some actual settled science in America right now. Yeah. Some <laughs> actual settled science. <laughs> yes, yes. Very good to hear. <laughs> So yeah, that's my own personal feeling, though. I, I I do think that the the intangibles is ability to move the pocket and throw. Like it's so important in the NFL nowadays to be able to do that. While I do like how Drake May is uh, is able to move as well, he's certainly underrated, and he has the the perfect Josh Allen esque frame. Uh, Caleb still has made some incredible throws on the move down downfield, and that is really the the, the money maker right there. So uh, I'm Caleb. Uh, Froton, I, I had a question for you. After we talked with uh, Zach Kruger the other day on on, on Tuesday's show, uh, he had some some pretty good JJ McCarthy propaganda for me, uh, and uh, it really turned uh, turned the tide on 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 how I perceive McCarthy. Uh, you know, I, I guess my question is: uh, Is he already solidified? Do you think as a first round pick, and what can he do at the combine to kind of sew that up? I think with the nature of the quarterback position right now in the NFL, we saw, I don't know, I forget the number you could you could tell me, but how many different quarterbacks started an NFL game last year? And how Bigly. effective were they? I mean, by and large, I mean, that back end of the quarterback, you know, group is pretty rough. Um, when it comes to J.J. McCarthy, and you, you see the teams, Russell Wilson moving off them, Denver. Atlanta, desperate. For mm-hmm. a signal caller, you know, um, and then you, you, the further down the board, the more you get. So I just think with with the needs, the, the quarterback position being what it is, most p- important position in all of sports, I don't see how he slips out of the first round, um, you know, and really what kind of separates him from me, what I really liked about J.J. is, is pressure. Second best passing grade in the country uh, under pressure. Right. Uh, to only that, I'm looking up the stature. He was allowed to Sorry. attempt four passes under pressure. Oh, stop. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, he has 63.4% pressure complete rate, which was, since you asked, Pat, 52 of 82 attempts were under pressure. Okay, go. And that's right. he was second in the nation in big-time throw rate under pressure as well. So um, I like that his completion scrambling rate, 71.5%. Astounding being able to throw on the move that well. You know, right. Very few guys do. So, you know, you look at the way he handles pressure. You look at how he throws on the move. The overall just uh, ring generalship, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak. That is a, a very old, styly type term. But uh, <laughs> I do. I, I do believe in J.J. as being a round one quarterback. And then I think the intangibles and the tools are there. You talked about his ability to throw on the run. And, and, and I've read quite a bit over the past week about his mobility uh, is there any, do, you, do you have any sense that he could be used possibly as a, as a dual threat kind of quarterback in the NFL, or is that overstating it? I think it might be overstating it a little bit. Like you didn't see him do a lot of like the traditional RPO stuff. You know, when he did run, especially later on in the season, it was uh, kind of a step up type thing where you know, he'd get pressure from the edges, and then mm-hmm. the the C would part. And then, like Moses, he your your boy Danny, he well, not, not to be political. Went right across it. Yeah, but you just go right through that Red Sea, and, and he got to the other side. So uh, that's when you'd see J.J. really doing his damage. It wasn't design stuff as much. You know, a little bit earlier in his career, sure, you would see that um, because he was he was 
you know, mm-hmm. sort of co-started with Cade McNamara, and he certainly was more mobile than Cade McNamara. But well, remember that guy? Anybody else remember Cade McNamara? We're remembering guys. I'm sorry, it's just an NFL podcast. But uh, Denny, to your point about things that JJ McCarthy could do at the combine, yeah. uh, eat a lot because Michigan listed him at 203, sports rep listed him at 197. He's right yeah. on that edge. Uh, one, well, one proton, you said you've are, obviously you are physically there with all the players. You've already bumped into some players who you're telling us backstage on the show, like, oh, this guy, like, I don't think he's tall as they list. Have you seen JJ McCarthy yet? Does he have does he have a beer gut? Because he should. Dude needs <laughs> people talk about people talk about like Jaden Daniels is so thin, which that is true, but like true. JJ McCarthy is like inches, inches taller than Bryce Young. Many inches, like four to five inches taller, and weighs, I mean, we'll see, but could probably weigh the exact wow. same. He's also a string bean. So like mm-hmm. I think that is probably one limiting factor to the rushing potential for him at the next level what do you think he comes in at just weight wise that's very very valid absolutely you know and it's the rg3 sort of a model and i think it applies to Jaden daniels too where it's like a lot of Jaden daniels explosive plays and one of the refrains we've heard during this draft season is 90 something explosive plays the most of all time a lot of those with his feet and when he broke that pocket and he was asked to reset I, i can remember one big throw that he made when you know breaking pocket he didn't reset particularly well with him, with JJ. Slender frames. Both of them are on the slight side. I, I'd love to give a I, – I don't feel comfortable giving a weight estimate on McCarthy because I haven't seen him out of pads. Only seen him once, which was at Penn State, Michigan. I saw Daniels and Penix this summer at the Elite 11 finals in Redondo Beach. They were two of the counselors. I saw them throw out of pads for three straight days, all the pro day stuff. Saw soup to nuts with the two of them. I haven't seen JJ out of pads. So I I don't know exactly what his frame looks like. I'll have a better idea tomorrow. But I, th- I hope he's 205. <laughs> Can you believe I'm hoping that? I know. That's crazy. That is a low number for a guy as tall as he is. And uh, yes, not a lot. Guy needs to go to GNC this offseason. Well, my yeah, I mean my my suggestion my suggestion it would be to have a have one kid and you and he would he would he would he would come in at he would come in at two thirty five. He's also just sniffling the whole thing. He's like, yeah, I thought I'd handle pressure really (laughs) well because his kids keep getting him sick. Oh come on, that's a low blow. I just because I have a mysterious pain in my teeth right now, I'm swollen from some weird virus I've gotten from my kids. Doesn't mean you should make a joke about it. (laughs) <laughs> father's always being sick and eric man i think jj mccarthy the main thing of the combine too for him is this gonna be solidifying like like how like much nfl coaches are gonna love his demeanor like he was like so centered and calm for like a college athlete maybe some of it's a put on you know like the espn guy would get right in, like two feet from his face with the camera while he was like supposedly doing like zen yoga or something oh but yeah so, like, right, maybe it's right, kind of a put right, on right. But he gives like very he seems very, very self contained for such a young man and such a young athlete. And I do think that my guy my guy could only do yoga while the national TV cameras were on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh wow, yeah. I can't believe I didn't know there's five ESPN crews here on the field at the national championship game. He he could only do it when seven point four million people were watching him. He hears the words, Oh say, can you see? And he's like, Oh, the yoga music is playing. (laughs) 
Uh, what we're going to talk about JJ McCarthy up until the second, the first round of the draft starts, uh, Eric. But would you say is so? You mentioned Jaden Daniels. Uh, we're going to mention him to the second the draft starts. Is Jaden Daniels safely ahead of JJ McCarthy? Is JJ McCarthy like truly the like the no question QB four? So how, how are things shaking out in like that second tier of quarterbacks between Jaden Daniels and JJ McCarthy? Hell yes, he's the he's no worse than the QB four because. Michael Penix and Bo Nix went out there and, and solidified that at the Senior Bowl. <laughs> there was uninspiring performances from from both of them, and that's something that, you know, uh, with Penix, his arm is the thing that should be playing in that scenario. You know, mm-hmm. he has a big arm. How he channels the lower half of his body and, and you know, gets that torque from his hips, you know, he is, as, as one of my friends, uh, Ian Cummings, says, tapered in terms of his physique because he is – you know, more rocked up up top, a thin lot down low. And, you know, I, I just think with Penix and Knicks having trouble in that showcase and JJ McCarthy not choosing not to go, all we've had to see was perfection in that undefeated run to the national title game. So there all isn't been a lot of shine. All of them were great. All, all, all of them. Yeah, I went to the Penn State game. Like, he really, he literally threw 10 passes. Like, he, he didn't. He threw two passes in the entire second half. It was ridiculous. That doesn't sound real. It was like I was all General Maximus there, like, entertained? Are you entertained? I'm not. I'm not entertained. But, um, yeah, I, I think that with Daniels and J.J., for the purpose of this exercise, Daniels is further along than J.J., but that doesn't mean that I think his ceiling is higher. I have real questions about Jalen Daniels that I, I think I think well, have more than other people. Frank. Yeah, well, I, Danny and I have been starting to talk. Someone else made this point. Too. I think maybe it was Danny Kelly from The Ringer who originally made this point. It, it, it should maybe be considered a red flag that Jaden Daniels literally has getting tackled highlight reels. There's <laughs> like 90-second <laughs> like highlight reels of Jaden Daniels just getting wrecked. Oh, yeah, getting and... spine busters right on the turf, like from <laughs> yes. The Rock. Yes. It was literally so, getting wrestling moves yes. done on him because um, he's that reckless. He was. The best is when he tried to jump. He jumped right into the guy's arms. He's like, oh, he's always, he's always jumping right into people's arms. Like, what are you what doing? Are you doing? I feel like that's not going to work on the next level. They need to work in, him it didn't down. work in college. <laughs> well, he was a great runner in college. And, like, just didn't, uh, you know, he's going to get punished great. more for it. You know, they need to strap him down, tape his eyes open, and put Lamar Jackson tape for eight hours in a row. No sleep. Make him watch it all because, like, they both are – like, Lamar's not a thick dude. He's not thick like Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts, but he does not take hits that put his body at risk. He's so good at that. He's and it smart. doesn't hamper his rushing. His, like, intelligence of knowing what are tackles he can avoid and what yeah. are tackles that you go down for is great. And Jane Daniels is the exact opposite of that. It's hilarious. Well, and with Lamar, like, when, when you see him coming into contact, he'll – He's strong enough and has enough where he'll he'll wrap it, go down, and like he'll absorb the hit, spin off of it, go get up, and he's going through. There's there's a roll to it, you know. Yep. There's there's flow to the tackle. He's he's bracing. He's ready. I don't see a lot of bracing no. happen from JD Jaden Daniels when he's going and and lowering the shoulder. The guy absolutely loves to get hit hit by milk trucks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or like potato carts. Like, wow, I didn't know they even still had those. And... What's that doing on the field? <laughs> exactly. exactly. So he sees those little electric smart cars and he's like, I can take that on. It's not going yeah. that fast. Mm. Well, I, that guy's hit giant... so many scooters. 
those giant swaths of turf that he gets in college, just they're yeah. not that yeah. big. You're not going to be able to weave your way down the secondary in the NFL. I, I, I mean, I, I do, I do think we, we're making we're making jokes, and 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 that's that's fine this time of year. But I, I do think that that is a problem, and and a, and a potentially a major one for his availability on the next level because uh, you see guys like Lamar, you see, I, you know, Russell Wilson comes to mind, guys who. Uh, refuse to take the big hit, you know, who will ang- will angle themselves out of bounds, will sacrifice a yard or even two to avoid the big hit. Jaden Daniels didn't do any of that. No, at and, Denny, and then you see a guy who's enormous and Anthony Richardson, who does not protect himself and it, also gets hurt. That's like, right. Yeah. That's a good point. So, so Richardson is like Kyle said last year is Derek Henry as a quarterback. Yes. And he refuses to give up one inch as a rusher and he spent his entire season, almost his entire season on IR, his rookie Curious. year. Curious. To put this into perspective for Jalen Daniels, I'll leave this with this, and it kind of illustrates my point. Off script, and we talked about that a little bit you know, before, in terms of passing rate when off script, when moved off his spot, when rolling, when all that, how often does Jaden Daniels throw as opposed to run when he is flushed? Only 20% of the time, one out of every five times he is flushed, does he actually throw a pass. In the NFL, the average is 57% you're right. throwing when flushed. Yeah. I Come think, on, guys. I, I, I don't mean, know, man. I feel yeah, like he has, he has the same thing. Like, that's a similar thing that shows up in clean pockets where he scrambles out of a clean pocket at a rate higher than any other quarterback. And not just like in the class, but historically over the past five years since we've tracked this kind of stuff, he scrambles from clean pockets, which for fantasy, like sick. All of your dropbacks are rush up. attempts. <laughs> Wheels yep. up for the, the Konami yeah. code scam. But from a real life perspective, it's a very different conversation. I want to move away from quarterbacks because I know for a time you are literally boots on the ground and it's, it's mock draft time. You had a mock draft come out late last week, I believe. Everyone check that out. Most recent mock I saw from like one of the big talking heads was Mel Kuyper. And of course, like like everyone who watched the Super Bowl, first thing I do is just scroll down to Chiefs, wide receiver, wide receiver, actually does have a wide receiver. Uh, and this one is Xavier Worthy from Texas. There's two, like, day two, I'd say day two fringe, day one wide receivers coming out of Texas and A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy. I took the early discourse as people like Mitchell Moore, but I think people are coming around to the idea that, like, Worthy was this great three-year producer, whereas AD had to transfer, had to, is kind of relative. He was at Georgia, but he transferred and then finally broke out in his third year. They're both early declares. Now we're getting some first round buzz from Xavier Worthy. Do you have a take on which one of these receivers, both from a real life and from a fantasy perspective, you'd rather have? Yeah, I would rather have Xavier Worthy than Adonai Mitchell. And uh, I I feel pretty good about that. And the reason why is, you know, we're trying to pick out these special traits with these players like what what makes this player different what makes them what is going to translate to the NFL you, level it's it not like yeah. how do you lose I don't care how you lose if you can win in a specific way and that can translate I love that and you can be special you know and that's the thing like that true freshman breakout we saw out of Xavier Worthy I mean that was real you know 62 catches 981 15.8 with 12 TDs as a freshman true freshman very very rarefied error for a major power five college player to be putting up that sort of stuff. And then, you know, even as he progressed, you know, I feel like his game matured. I ever, the, the one refrain you get is, is the hands. He had like a 7.8% drop rate. That's a sub 10% drop rate. That's not that bad at all. And then you look at, 
you know, what he was doing early in his career. He was a, he was a downfield guy. 2022, 17, 17 and a half yards ADOT. I mean, that is as deep as deep threat gets. This year, 9.9 yards, you know, of ADOT. And what it comes down to is they're getting him more of the complete package touches. You know, they're getting him those manufactured short yards, you know, some behind the line, receiver screen, the quick slants, where he accelerates like very, very few people on earth when it comes to Hill's acceleration. You're seeing him catch the curl routes and then doing the quick shake and being able to bust that down the line, uh, down the sideline, and pick up major, major ground because he's going to be faster than just about anybody on the field. His current line is 4-3 even. I mean, you guys know, when you hear 4-3 even and it hasn't moved an inch since yesterday and everything has moved, that should tell you all you need to know about Xavier Worthy. He is special in that way with a trait. With Adonai, what is he special at? You know, like he isn't, he doesn't have a great release off the line. He isn't a, a route manipulator. He'll throw some hezzies and, and a little bit of feints in mid-route. But, you know, it's really the, the smoothness of his gait. And what have you, but he's thin, you know, he's six, four, he's one ninety, one ninety five, maybe, you know, you can get up in his kitchen, you can bump him off his routes. You know, it's, he isn't great in the, in the man coverage. I just think that I have more questions about Adonai Mitchell, about his full skill set of him being, what is his special trait? What does he do better than anybody than I do with Xavier Worthy? Sounds like you could literally get up in his kitchen, by the way, and like eat all of his food because yeah. he's uh, uh, yeah. Come on, a tall, a tall, thin receiver in today's NFL that that ain't working. That's <laughs> not working. Uh, um, do we? Did someone have a follow up they wanted to ask on Keon Coleman? By the way, uh, oh well, I mean, I I was just uh, well, actually, it was, it was from the Mel Kiper mock. Uh, he I believe went to the Bucks, wherever they pick somewhere in the twenties. And, you know, we talk about players like where do they win, how do they win, and he's one where the scouting and sort of the – he's like the Josh Allen prospect of receivers in that he was literally played D1 basketball at Michigan State, got minutes. Do the the college basketball (laughs) and college football seasons, they overlap like significantly, right? So I assume he got done with the college football season, and he literally got actual minutes at D1 Michigan State as a basketball player. Eventually he transfers to Florida State. But he's got that level of athleticism. I'll always say that like basketball players are, in terms of like raw athleticism, probably a lot more athletic at the professional level than football players or any other sport. He's got that level of athleticism. He's big, rangy. But then you like dig into what he does. Like honestly, he doesn't do a whole lot. So where do you fall in this? Because he's getting mocked consistently in the first round. I don't know if he's a lock to go in the first round, but it seems very plausible. And it strikes me as sort of the Quentin Johnston type of like, he has these physical attributes. He's not like, I think he's more physically gifted than Johnson, but he has these attributes. And I don't know in what way they translate to the NFL level, especially for Keon, because his college numbers weren't great. Sure. And with Quentin Johnson on, on this show to all of you, I don't need to tell all three of you how I felt about Quentin Johnston last well, year. And you colored our, I did our write up for the site, but it was after I, I like debriefed you. And so all right, I was like, I don't know. We don't actually know this guy's going to be good at all. And uh, you were right there. I had yeah. an article that was, or maybe it was on this show, that was like, what are some draft fits you don't want to see? And I couldn't <laughs> Johnson to the Chargers, and they do it. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But <laughs> in some sense, uh, I got to prove my point correct. You did. Yeah, yeah. You know, your point was correct. And, and it really does, you know, when it comes to Quentin Johnson, the reason why I mentioned him in relation to Keon Coleman is I looked at, you know, with Quentin Johnson, 
he would disappear in some games. You know, you see Coleman do it. But with Johnson, he he does have that, again, a, a thinner, you know, lower half. Like, the, the legs, he, you know, like, with the way that he would win, and we talked about it before, he didn't high point balls. He would, he would catch it right here. He wasn't going up and getting them or reaching outside his frame. Everything was within his frame. With Coleman, you know, that's certainly not the case. He Everything's outside his frame, arguably. You kind of want it to be outside his frame. Sometimes it's a little too easy. He, he'll muff those. Um, but the athleticism is real. And you know that because he, 27.5% of his targets were 20-plus yards downfield. Like, they wanted to get him the ball and have him alpha dudes on the outside, which I know Denny loves to alpha. But <laughs> when it comes to, to Coleman, the things that, that make him different is that vert. You know, like, that is real. That's playing. There's the windmill dunks. I mean, he does it all with that. He returns kicks at 6'4", 215, and he does it pretty damn well. Very few guys you see out there doing that sort of a thing. Um, so... What I what I look at with Coleman and where where he wins the scenario where he is a success is the Drake London model is what I see the basketball player the alpha the big dude who is you know his he's he's linear up and down he is big and he is strong but he's going to have to take those quick hitches the way that Drake London did and he's going to have to take somebody's head and smash it in the turf and that is the kind of level of physicality you have to be if you're not going to be a true separator downfield which it appears like he probably doesn't have that juice. He's probably not in the four force, you know, and, and he's probably not going to be able to stack guys like you're going to see out of Troy Franklin or guys like Neighbors and, and Harrison. So he has to win with physicality. He has to win it at all three levels. He has a, a, a larger path, you know, like it's a tougher path to get there, but he has the traits to be that physical alpha receiver. It's just a higher variance. So I would say with, with Coleman, the ceiling is high, but the floor is low. And we've seen the Jonathan Baldwin model of receivers who look like complete freaks of nature, look like Tarzan and play like Jane to quote Bill Parcells. That's the, the iconic Bill Parcells quote. And he's going to be one of the most fascinating players in the yeah. – you love the basketball thing. Like I, I, I thought of the Dennis Rodman from the last dance, like him you know, talking about how he would like uh, – it, how the ball came off the rim is how we, you know, how the way he positioned himself for rebounds. That's what yeah. Kevin Coleman has to do. That is what Drake London does. Uh, Denny yeah. was going to ask you about running backs, but I had to, I wanted to have a quick running quarterback follow up. I'm structuring the show extremely well. Um, didn't man, didn't manage to get this in yeah. where we, we jumped receiver, but you mentioned Penix and Knicks. You know, they're both 45 years old. No. Uh, they both have long track <laughs> records of success. Are either of them going to sneak into the, or is it even sneaking? Are either of them going to be first round picks? No. There's going to be quarterback desperation after these top four, I feel like. No, but it won't be down the board. All those all those playoff teams have QBs, you know? Like, it's it's once you get past 21, 22, you know, then it, the, the Steelers, I would say, then, you know, you're, you're pretty much in good shape there. So I, I think they're both early second-round picks in, in the Will Levis mold where you'll get a team that'll – Say, oh my gosh, you know, Bo Nix is still on the board. You know, let me let me look in that mid second round or, or low second. I think they're and then they draft Bo forty Nicks to sixty. Their, they draft him for their front office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just can't. I, I do not see it with Bo Nix as a, as a first rounder or or even Penix because again, you know, some of that is Penix's mobility and ability to to throw on the move as well. Um, he was. I mean, you talk about just 
Jaden Daniels not wanting to do it because he wants to run. Michael yeah. Penix cannot run, and he cannot throw on the move. He was benefited by a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, which is the Joe Moore award is given to the best offensive line in college football. It's given to Michigan the previous two years, given to Washington last year. And then when you saw them in the national title game against Michigan, who's only rushing four, and you got those freaks coming over there from the Big Ten, not in the, in the Pac-12 anymore, they went and tore through that line, and you saw what happened to Penix in the national championship. He couldn't handle it. I have real questions about that. Uh, the the percentage of Bo Nix's passing production that came on screen passes is actually either hilarious or alarming, depending on how you. Uh, <laughs> With the, the power of and not only. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really it's really quite something. All right, I wanted to ask you about running backs, Rotunda. Uh, I noticed in your uh, mock draft, which folks folks can find on NBCSports.com, um, that you did not have a running back. Going uh, going in the first round, I, I don't think that that's unique. I I have not seen a mock draft yet that has put a running back on any team in the first round. Yeah, you're not. Um, which is something. So, but who who is you know right now? And I guess it could change, but right now, who is your RB one headed into this draft? Sure, you know, I I would say that right now the community RB one is probably Jonathan Brooks for Texas. Uh, he's coming off a, a knee tear late mm-hmm. in the season. I. I do not think that he will end up being the RB1 person. And He's not mine. there's a huge bust. Yeah, yeah. And I I do think uh, right now I've got three guys that I, I, I think are are right there for that RB1. I, I'm interested to see what happens in terms of their testing, watching all these guys next to each other on the field and seeing how they move. But I, I like Trey Benson for Florida State. Mm-hmm. I like Jalen Wright for Tennessee. And I like Marshawn Lloyd of USC and uh, each of them, you know, sort of have different, you know, specialties. But I, I like from this class, you have some bigger running backs that are athletic. And we didn't kind of have that last year. No, it was the year not. of Bijan and the smaller backs. The was, everyone's just 5'8, 180 last year. I know. Gosh, everybody, you know, it's Ig Spears. He's 200, you know, maybe 205. And even that was like a bigger back for that class. And that is traditionally small. So, you know, uh, with Trey Benson, he's a legit 220. And in terms of the uh, mile per hour, the real analytics, Trey, Trey Benson was one of the fastest players in, in the country, regardless of position. You know, he, I think he hit 23 miles an hour in the gun. That's astounding at 22 miles an hour. And this is a guy who tore his knee first year at Oregon. True freshman, tears it up, does a big knee. I think he did double ligament. Uh, takes some time coming back. Is there last year, not this year, last year at Florida State, which is his first season where he was playing, playing. And he ripped off four and a half yards per carry, 79 missed tackles forced. And he only had like 150 carries. Like that is a, a astronomical rate. And he wasn't quite that high this year. But Jordan Travis got hurt and he faced nine-man boxes through the last four games of the season because they literally couldn't throw a forward pass. Right. Couldn't do it. So, you know, that has to be factored in. With, uh, with Jalen, just so much speed, so much speed. And, and like you saw it on tape, he was a guy who preseason, I had a ton of CFF shares in because he was the number two running back at Tennessee behind Jamari, Jabari Small, who was more of like a, a uh, you know, short yardage back. But I, I watched Jalen right in the preseason. I had shares upon shares of him. Like I was, I was Warren Buffett on Jalen Wright <laughs> in the college fantasy world. I had so much of him. Yeah. And it worked out because he only had a 30, 136 carries and he had a thousand yard season this year. Bro, that is unbelievable. The elusiveness, the speed. 
He's currently lined at 4.31 for a 40 time. You guys all know this. That would be ridiculous at 210 pounds. I, I can't believe it. I'm taking the over, just a little FYI. You know, I'm taking the over in that market for where it's currently at right now at 431. But, like, I don't even feel great about it. It's just out of principle. That's how fast he is, though. It's really four, hard three, to one, run a 431 at that speed. I understand why. <laughs> That's ridiculous. So, him and then Marshawn Lloyd, this guy, who another one. Like, both two of these guys had big knee injuries. Marshawn Lloyd had a double ligament his freshman year, too you know, coming in and he was at South Carolina, didn't get the run he wanted, went to USC as his first year. And he goes, and not only did he rip off seven yards of carry, he led the entire country in yards per catch, which he didn't catch hardly any passes for South Carolina. He goes out there in the senior bowl and for USC. And he absolutely went out there and answered any questions about his receiving acumen. I think all three of those guys, depending on landing spot, come rookie draft season, you're going to see one of them be the top guys. Those are my three favorites. So, I, I, just to just to get maybe maybe this is your fourth favorite, uh, Audric Estemi from oh, Notre yeah. Dame. He, he is my fourth favorite. He is okay. Fourth so uh, he he looks to me from from what I've seen to be like a like a metrics dude. Like he he pops in a lot of metrics categories, including yards after contact per rush. He was fifth in the nation in that category last year. So, so making a lot of of his opportunities as a rusher, uh, could he could he you know get into your top three or possibly surprise in the draft for a running back needy team? Oh, absolutely, and, and you know I get really excited when somebody like my friend Denny, who um, you know I've heard it on Twitter, will never grind tape. You know, but he does do his research. I do my Look at research. You getting down into college, getting in the weeds with me, dude. I, I'm I'm up to here. With, I'm up to my eyeballs and spreadsheets on running on college running backs. Man, you don't even know. That is my guy. And yeah, with estimate, absolutely. You know, he's he another 220 pounder. Who I was gonna is, say, you know what metric he pops in the large meter. This guy is 220 something, <laughs> like five eleven. He is. Yeah. He is a big boy. But we know what I like about estimate is he's got pretty smooth hips. For a guy his size, and I think that's where a lot of that intrigue comes with him um, and just this class in general is you've got larger guys this year who have pretty good agility. You know, the thing that I, I like about estimating and what puts him above Braylon Allen for me, who is another guy I've seen and some people have him as, a, as an RB1 at 240 pounds, the slow as he is. Bless you. Bless those people. But that being said, with, with Allen, what you see with him is the slow feet, whereas when he gets – Parallel with the line, or like he's just about to go over him. He's so slow in his breaks and his cuts and just his movements and just methodical getting into it that you see guys, you know, defensive tackles that are engaged, peeling off of blocks as he's going by them, and they're they're grabbing him as he's going by. You mm. don't see that with Estime, period. When he is parallel with you the line, when he is, you know, going past you and going through it. He's too quick, and his feet are too, uh, you know, nimble mm -hmm. to be able to get brought down like that. And you saw it happen carry after carry with Braylon Allen at his size, and you don't see that out of estimate. He's quick for his size. I can't wait to see what he runs because he was yeah. originally lined at 4.48. That's since pumped up to 4.5, which is – I couldn't believe he was at 4.48. I could not believe they put him that low. But, man, he runs a 4.55. Yeah, jackpot, top five running back. You Absolutely. know, because yeah. that's all I'm worried about is the long speed. 
He's quick for his size. Mark me down as an estimate bro. I'm an estimate bro. We are Eric Froton bros. Extremely, extremely good stuff from Eric, who's going to be at the Combine all weekend. Eric, what kind of content do you have coming out of the Combine, by the way? Sure. Tomorrow I'll be putting out a, a column, just sort of a news and notes. I'm going to be trying to make sure I keep my ears to the to what's happening here in Indy. So I'll have two different columns of just things that I pick up, things that I see, things that I've you know heard around. Uh, but I'll also be putting out plenty of uh, definitely a couple of videos from you, the your video guy. interview. Yeah, I like my interview. You know, I like yeah. I like the video. You know, I got that, this pretty face. Yeah. You do. It's awesome. People stuff. want to see it. Me yeah, and Denny, kid, you know, a couple kid, of high crowds up there on stage <laughs> singing under pressure like only we can. That's right. The, the kids love their video. That's right. They said <laughs> Freddie's gone. Yeah. David is no longer with us, but we have Froton and Denny at the next Fantasy Football Expo to serenade us. That's right. Very true. We'll see you there, Eric. We'll see you many times before that, though. We need to have you back on the podcast uh, ASAP. Yep. As we get deeper into the draft stuff, Eric is just an absolute draft expert. Thank you so much for taking the time. And thank you for taking the time on Bet the Edge. Check out Eric on Bet the Edge. Also, Thursday, yeah. really good stuff with the betting guys. So, Eric, thank you so much. Uh, try to get some sleep in Indianapolis. Thanks, Miss my guys. I'll see you soon, boys. Bye. We'll see Eric soon, and you'll see us soon right after this. Spring training is here, so for those looking to get ahead on the upcoming MLB season, grab your Rotoworld Baseball Draft Guide. It's loaded with comprehensive positional rankings, projections, and player profiles to ensure your draft is a success. Visit NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use promo code BASEBALL24 to get 10% off at checkout. And don't forget, find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBCSports. Not a bit. I literally cannot say success when I'm reading that profile. There's something about the I, way the I, words are stacked. I was rooting for you. I was rooting for you. <laughs> it's something about the the. It's like it's like a weird verbiage thing that for some reason where success success is in that paragraph, I will literally never be able to say it correctly. But You're consistent. That's what I'll say. I am very very consistent. And uh, you know who wasn't consistent last year, guys? That? It was Travis Etienne. No. Um, Travis Etienne had a pretty rough year. Uh, Coach Doug Peterson noticed. He told our friend, our colleague, Matthew Barry, that that is, quote, not the recipe for how ETN is going to have success. The recipe being was like heaping touches onto his plate. Sounds like they do not want it. They, they kind of telegraphed this last year when they drafted Tank Bigsby, and he just wasn't good enough to steal well, the work. I mean, Tank Bigsby uh, happened to be the worst running back in the NFL. So Tank Bigsby uh, was not all that. Um, and he was, uh, uh, yeah, so I mean, if you look, if you look at it, kind of, you know, metrics, boomer stats, whatever you want to look at, Travis Etienne uh, fell off big time in 2023. You had a, uh, he averaged 5.1 yards per carry in 20 in his rookie season, 2022. That fell to 3.8. Uh, his rushing success rate went from 52 percent in his rookie year to 43 percent in his second year. Uh, so he was like a like a grinder. They like turned him into a grinder. And I don't think that that's the role that he w- w- would be best used in. You know, when I saw the, these comments that Matthew got from, from Peterson and pre- by the way, in a pretty newsy segment, I have to say uh, he talked about Christian Kirk's usage in the offense. He's talking about Evan Ingram's usage in the offense. Check it out on the site folks. But uh, uh, yeah, with ETN, I don't think this is necessarily bad for his fantasy prospects. Like, like it's just the way we think of Alvin Kamara. So right? get him on the Kamara plan is basically we, what we're hearing. Right. We we don't we don't want Kamara to be used between as a between the tackles grinder. That's not who he is. So the fact that he could see fewer touches next year is not necessarily like a like a death knell for his fantasy prospects. Yeah, I think the problem with the Kamara plan is 
Trevor Lawrence doesn't throw to running backs. Travis Etienne, as good as his catching stats were in college, like all the film bros, and even like, you don't have to be a film bro to watch him. Like, doesn't seem like he's a special pass catcher. He hasn't earned targets at a high rate. So like the Alvin Kamara plan without receptions is is like the, the uh, Pat, you are not good plan. I think I think Pat, you called it like the Chase Edmonds plan. Like you get some carries between the twenties <laughs> yes. in the bad way, but you don't actually catch a ton of passes, and you're not like going to get goal line work. That's what the Alvin Kamara plan is when it doesn't like work out very well. I, I think the the one thing as you guys sort of pointed out that we can hang our hats on is unless they make another investment at running back, they spent a first round pick was three years ago now on Travis Etienne. Then last year, a third-round pick on Tank Bigby. Unless they want to continue to pump resources into a position that is generally devalued, they don't have any other choice. And Tank's big, Tank Bigsby just was not good last year. He offered nothing. He was a net negative by a mile as a pass catcher because he was like targeted four times and two of them were tipped to interceptions. And as a runner, he was one of the least efficient in the NFL as well, outside the top 50 among running backs, 50 carries in yards after contact, PFF rushing grade, all the main metrics. Even the dumb ones, like Benny said, like yours, Harry, just didn't, uh, like, like you said, hey, film, <laughs> uh, basic stats, advanced stats, none of them like Bigsby. So I don't know, like, do you just try to make Bigsby a thing in spite well, of his Well, I will say, Kyle, the, the running back market is so top-heavy this year that you can probably get some, you can always get insane bargains at running back. You can probably really get some free agent bargains at running back this year. That is maybe a path for the Jags where you can get somewhere for like one and a half million guaranteed or something. You could be a, like a legit committee member, but that's just like totally. Well, they, they have, they have Dearness Johnson, who, by the way, Peterson mentioned Dearness Johnson in, in that interview, just, just briefly, he mentioned that Johnson was banged up. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Dearness Johnson is just better than ETN. Nah, I would be. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think he's a free agent. <laughs> though. Not that, like, not that it requires a lot to bring him back. I think he's a free agent. Uh, remember when Dearness Johnson was like everyone's favorite zero RB pick? What, what I think was only two years ago and somehow feels like nine years ago. I do. That, you sure it wasn't last year? It's no, it wasn't year. last year because he was on the Jets. <laughs> you know like, why? Because he's on the Browns. Yeah. He's good. Uh, well, see, I mean, I don't know. Like the Jags, they could sign DeAndre Swift. They could sign CEH. Oh, man, the Jags are signing Boston Scott. I've just determined. Oh, oh, actually, it's perfect. Ooh, they're signing Cam Akers. No. Maybe they're reuniting with Daria Goombawale. Oh, they're definitely signing Salman Ahmed. Oh, yeah, man, they... the Jags are signing Matt Breida. Let me oh, that, that would be that'd be good. Matt Breida's like, he'd be a good, like, pass. Oh, my pass God. Game. The Jags. The Jags, I regret to inform, are signing A.J. Dillon. Um, uh, yeah, anyway. if you take the route of they should Alvin Kamarize Travis Etienne, AJ Dillon two yards in a cloud of dust between the tackles would like fit that <laughs> dynamic. <laughs> like Kyle did two yards in a cloud of dust, not even three. <laughs> yeah, not even three, folks. Three By the way, days. AJ Dillon's going to sign a seven-year contract with the Jets. Just so we're clear. Oh, no, he's re-upping. They're going to re-up him with the Packers. They love him, even though he's good at quite literally nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Aaron Jones was one of the best goal line backs in the league. Aaron and then Jones. they signed, they drafted AJ Dillon and just like continued to have him not be a good goal line. Aaron Jones, I, I firmly believe could have been a hall of famer if they would have used him right. The last could, three years. He, he was that, he was on that Jamar Charles, Jamar, Jamal Charles yeah. diet. And yeah. they refused. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently the, speaking of a team, like re-signing someone, the Dolphins, they seem like absolutely insistent on extending, extending to a Tungvaloa. They really do have no choice, but that is also the kind of things people said about the Giants and Daniel Jones That's last right. year. Tua is, of course, a, a league's better than Daniel Jones. Despite Tua's limitations, 
he's not in like that category of quarterback. He's above the Daniel Jones tier. Yeah. But, I mean, Denny says two is not good. And is this ending the Dolphins dynasty before it even begins if they have to go all in on two? Yeah. Well, I, a team, a team can never emotionally overcome, uh, you know, not signing a quarterback who has been decent for you. I mean, they, you just can't like the lions are going to make the same mistake with Jared Goff, and there's no way around it. You just, you just can't, can't not sign them. You know, I, I read uh, some projections about to his deal. We're talking about more than a hundred million guaranteed. Um, we're talking about over 250 million overall for the, for a new deal. Um, I think that that is firmly putting them out of their Super Bowl uh, window. If they if if they do that, can I share some stats with the folks here? Um, oh, yeah. So when I was when I was suggesting that Tua might not actually be all that good, and that he might be a product of the Mike McDaniel offensive scheme, the way that Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo have been products of the Shanahan scheme, Dolphins fans were very mad, and they said, "No, no, 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 you don't understand." First of all, they said they've watched the games, which okay, <laughs> all right. I mean that's checkmate. That's I feel like watching the games dings to a. Really oh funny. yes, no, no, no. You're right, Pat. You're right. It's Listen, the spreadsheet losers who are like, this guy must be great. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly it. And but but okay, so they said, well, he does something that no one else can do, which is throw throw well to the middle of the field. Oh, and okay. and I I refute that, and here are some some numbers to refute that. So in 2023, Tua was first in the league in. Um, uh, adjusted yards per attempt and completion rate over expected on middle of the field throws. Moff throws. Say so the classic rolls right off the tongue. Okay, <laughs> yes, but but he, he was for, he was the best middle of the field thrower in the league. Only C.J. Stroud had more yards on middle of the field pass Moff targets to say it. Okay, let me let me let me go. Let me get through this. Moth it's, it's, it's gonna. I'm painting a picture. I'm painting a picture. Shut up. <laughs> so. <laughs> Okay, let's re- rewind. Rewind. I'm gonna now. mute Kyle and myself. Back, back, <laughs> back, back to 2021 before Mike McDaniel came to Miami. Okay, Tua was 28th in adjusted yards per attempt on middle of the field passes, and he was 21st in completion rate over expected on those throws. He is not. He wasn't born like a like a natural middle of the field thrower. Because here's the thing, guys. Nobody is. Okay, no. nobody is. It's just part. Of, he's a product. Of a scheme, okay, and I I promise you, Mike McDaniel, if you're, list, if you're listening, you can find somebody else who can do this. Now, am I happy that two is going to get paid? Yes, of course, of course, we like to see this. Do I think that it's the best move for the Dolphins? No, absolutely not. We'll see how crippling the deal really is. Um, Tua, he was accused of being kind of a system guy and was coming out of Alabama. I thought the system for Tua coming out was RPOs and play action, like every Tua touchdown. Was like this a completely wide open sixty yard play action bomb at Alabama. Yes. So it is good that he's had success in kind of two different styles, but he's way better than Daniel Jones. But I think he's probably good enough to reach in normal times he'd be good enough to make to Brock Purdy a Super Bowl with. The problem is in the AFC, can you really Brock Purdy your way past Patrick Mahomes, yeah. Josh no, Allen, no. Joe Burrow, CJ Stroud, Lamar Jackson? Like you right. really do have to think bigger. Um, and and so you, you you mentioned Pat about like the watching him as a is a ding is like a is like a knock against him and we've talked extensively on the show about how he is Tua is literally unable to create out of structure and here's here's something a stat that points to that so under pressure 
uh, last year, Tua was 39th out of 43 qualifying quarterbacks in adjusted completion rate. Wow. Okay. The, the reason that we don't really care or notice uh, that is that Tua faced pressure at the lowest rates of any of those 43 qualifying quarterbacks. But wow. he was absolutely miserable when pressured. So when things go just right, when everything is fine, no wind, 75 to 82 degrees, oh, the, you know, the sun is in the northern sky, you know, like low the, humidity, the, low humidity. everything, everything it goes humidity. right. And he can do it, man. He can, he look and look good. He can I, do it. I'll say one thing for Tua. They didn't really have great protection still last year, I thought. So maybe he's naturally good at avoiding pressure. And like if they have some offensive line upgrades. That could be a way forward for him. Yeah, but possibly. We'll see. I, Tua, though, are, a part of it, so Tua had the head injuries early in his career. And I think that has, like, uh, understandably so, he is, like, desperate to avoid that kind of hit again. And it seemed like he was self-sacking a lot last year, I thought. Yes, he, he, yes. He, he Going down now, it's, it's too, he shouldn't have been taking those kind of big hits he was taking. And now he no longer takes them, but he's not doing anything outside of structure, like you said. Or see, like if the pocket breaks down, he kind of is like choosing like safety first and un- understandably avoiding his hits. But I just wonder if that too is going to make it hard for him to like find another gear to his game. Um, but and more quarterbacks should look into that. By the way, I, 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 I don't think that there is another gear. That, that that's the problem. There is no other gear, and and they they've they've gone as far as they can with Tua. Uh, there is no there is nowhere else to go. They sure it would have been nice if it hadn't been below zero in Kansas City. I'll say mm-hmm. that would have been nice if it had just been like eighteen degrees instead of negative four. That might have helped in the the wild card route. Really. I don't think so. No, I mean it wouldn't have. The Dolphins, but I mean, no offense to the Dolphins, but that was the most they had lost the game for an even started playoff game in a really <laughs> long time. Over. They they never even pretended they had a chance to win that game. No, it was over. That was pretty bad. That was kind of insane, actually. Like, like you can tell, like they were just defeated. Like, yeah, was, they were like, oh man. I don't, I don't want them to get rid of two. I like my fantasy point machine go. Oh, oh he didn't. Hold on, hold on. I gotta stop you right there because I had a lot of two <laughs> last year. The guy didn't score any fantasy points the second half of the season, like any at all. It was awful. He like totally derailed like three of my teams, and because he was printing money the first half. The second half, he had more than one touchdown, like two or three times. I think the second half. Yeah, That's why you, want, you know. I don't think it matters which end of the season it comes on, and like the predictability of it, because they were still getting like. Also, I, more so as me, like we almost had a two thousand yard receiver, and if Jalen Waddle catches a few touchdowns, he was elite in all the advanced metrics. He just couldn't catch freaking touchdowns, like I and all the running back touchdowns, like twenty something from forty eight year old, uh, like Grandpa Raheem Mostert, Devon Achan, the most efficient running back of all time, like. <laughs> As much as I actually, I also kind of agree that paying Tua, I saw like Spotrack projected this and then PFN's, PFN's Adam Beasley, longtime Miami writer, kind of, I don't want to say verified, but said it's reasonable that like $55 million a year over four years. Uh, I know, it sounds like a big hit. I think it would set the record for average value, though the next extension just always sets the record for a good quarterback. That's kind of how it is. Uh, I think that much money for Tua would be a tough ask for a franchise uh, but you know what? Like, keep our fantasy points coming. It was fun. How many Americans make $55 million a year? I mean, he's getting up and, like, this guy like, running a hedge fund? Like, <laughs> like uh, that's a lot of money for two of He's a Florida taxes, too. They're, like, non-existent or something. Right? Right. Was it no property tax? Or no I, in- something is it no income tax? No property. I, I was going to guess income, so. It's no, no, the state pays you. They do. They, 
if you are over the age of 60 and live anywhere where it gets cold for one day a year, they pay you to move to Florida. <laughs> they give you that NIL money. They're recruiting you. They do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Denny, Denny just turned 40. You know, lives in the villages. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I meant to tell you guys, I, I live in Sarasota. You said Denny, he likes the lifestyle. He doesn't agree with all of it politically, but he can't, he can't knock the lifestyle. Uh, so. I like my he golf. He miss the old bay and the crabs. I, I, I like my golf and I like my white claws. So. <laughs> but this, the sun does occasionally come out in the state of Florida, though. Unlike Maryland or Missouri. It's never. I, no, I, we still haven't seen the sun since October. <laughs> uh, have we seen the end of the show? Should we talk about any of this other stuff? Oh, yeah. There's something about uh, T or Jefferson Adams. How they're not oh, T, T you, you had like, it's not happening for T for trade-wise. Like, I, I don't know. I think it's possible this was uh, like, you know, obviously Duke Tobin, their de facto GM, on the podium today, yesterday, whatever, at the Combine. And ESPN's Ben Ben Baby notes that uh, like this is a different tone this year than we saw last year with Tobin's comments on T Higgins. Last year it was like if you want a wide receiver, kick rocks and, and go find one yourself. This year it was wow. much more of he didn't shoot down the idea. He said the team is better with him, but he can't predict all the possible scenarios. That's very clearly courting a a that's open for business. Yeah, that's open for business, right? Does the business happen? Probably not because trading like blue chip assets isn't common in the NFL, but that's open for business. He's totally saying like, make your offers. I at least want to hear them this year. Like it's an interesting situation to be in that I think could lead to a trade. It's not likely, but I think it's possible. Something that might come to resolution pretty quickly. Um, legal tampering period begins March 11th and only 11 days. Uh, since we're on the fake day of February 29th, it should only be 10 days. Huh. We're on the, the, the leap day as we're recording this. I said, that's interesting. I actually had not heard that comment somehow. Um, so, yeah, never mind. He's getting traded for sure, actually. Uh, they're putting on a brave face with Devontae Adams in Vegas. I was just saw not the name, I was on the Around the NFL podcast and Greg Rosenthal was, was very dubious that they wouldn't trade Devontae Adams. He thought that maybe they actually were open for business there, too. Yeah, right, to the Jets. I mean, it doesn't make a ton of sense to hold I floated to Devontae to the Bills. Although the, I think they're in too severe a salary cap hell. Yeah. Talk about, talk about a team that's all in. Like, they're just – their roster – they have to win this year or next year. Like, like and it's just over. Doesn't he just want to play – with Rodgers again? I don't know. I don't, does he actually? Definitely. I mean, he definitely just wants to. I don't, he, left, he left Rodgers already once. Every 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 former Rodgers guy just wants – Bakhtiari, they all they all just want to play with Rodgers again. Yeah, they know. all want to play with Rodgers. And I think it was beef with uh, Gutenkunst, the GM in – Gutenkunst! Uh, yeah, that's the one. You got it. <laughs> in Green Bay that sort of split Tay and the Packers. I, everyone that played with Rodgers wants to play with him again. So I'm going to say – Probably. Brian Gutekunst is the first NFL GM since um, at least 1940 who speaks German as his first language, by the way. <laughs> Jeez. It's a, very, it's a very German name. Come on. You can look, in, you can look at Wikipedia. You can it. look at Wikipedia. To, you can look elsewhere if you need more football context. This show's over. We'll talk about we'll talk the about site. It's, we got football content on the site. Look we'll at that. We'll talk about, quote, JMO a different time. We don't need to talk about JMO. Oh, we don't. No, that's not that's happening. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> J-Mo is going to be the ultimate. We're going to talk about this guy like 20 times. This no, time. just stop. <laughs> We're going to talk about J-Mo every, every show. Hey guys, another J-Mo blurb this week. Right, right. He's and and we're gonna we're gonna do that thing where it's like, well, his his route rate jumped from fifty four percent to sixty two percent. Could happen this week. You never know. Game over, haters. <laughs> so, uh, huge thanks to Eric Proton. He's a, a true expert. Check out all of his stuff from the combine. 
Check out all of our, we're going to have some stuff going. Danny, I've been meaning to like call you. We really need to get rolling on our uh, free agency primer, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah. We should talk about that. We should talk about that's that. That's happening. And Kyle, we need to get rolling on, I forget your off-season content plan. We've kind of talked about it. I need to finalize that with you, though. It sounds like something we could do after the show. Yeah, I will do that after the show. So for Denny Carter, for Kyle Dvorak, for Eric Froton, I am Patrick Darty. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week.